Hi, welcome to the River Church this morning. We're glad that you could join us. My name is Jazz Thompson and I've been attending the River for about, I think, nine years and it's been a beautiful nine years. I would like to share the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. It's found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Why don't you read along with me? Jesus calms the storm. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as, it, just as they were in a boat. There were other um, boats with him. A fierce squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in a stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down completely, and everything was calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Let me pray for our service. Father, thank you so very much that we have the opportunity to come before you and worship this morning. We pray for Pastor Todd as he would bring the word that we would have softened hearts to be able to receive it, open ears to be able to hear it. We thank you so much for all that you've done. We know that in life we will have storms, but we thank you for the fact that you are the storm calmer. As it says in Hebrews 13:5, you will never leave nor forsake us. Then in verse 8, it actually tells us, <clears throat> that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will never change. Thank you for being that constant, though life always changes. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Good morning, River Church. It's so good to be with you here on this bright morning. We hope you're doing well, staying healthy. Um, as you can see, we have Godwin back with us. We're so excited. I know a bunch of you are on your couches like whooping and clapping and excited. Um, Godwin and his wife Rachel just had a baby, a baby girl about a month ago. And we're so excited for them and their family. So congratulations again, Godwin. And um, But yeah, we're so happy to have him back. I'm going to pray and we're going to get started in to worship Jesus. We love you. We praise you, God. We give you thanks and adoration. Lord, we just want to praise your name this morning for you are good. You are with us and you are still doing great things here in the South Bay, in Los Angeles, and in the world, Lord. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. 
we build our life upon your love for it is a firm foundation and we will put our trust in you alone for you are faithful to us so Jesus we praise you this morning we put our trust in you this morning we open up our eyes and wonder God 
We love you. We praise all. We praise all of you, Lord. We love you. We praise your name. Amen. Uh, my name is Gib Cooper, and I work uh, for a large financial services company providing corporate loans all over the world, specifically in the energy and natural resource sector. So we're working with uh, numerous public and private companies, uh, small ones, large ones, most of which are going through restructurings uh, now, which entails bankruptcy firing large percentage of the, the employees. You know, we're on the front lines of seeing lives changed overnight. You know, unfortunately, I get to see it up close and personal uh, with the companies that we have uh, investments and, and, and loans uh, out to. The devastation to families, uh, friends throughout the, the energy patch, losing jobs, families disrupted, uh, uncertainty, fear. I, I think it really just, it really tests your faith. And, and, you know, we've never seen a situation that is this devastating economically. It's devastating to people's lives. Uh, on, a, you know, on a scale of one to 10, this is probably an 11. Lord, what, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? But for me personally, I, you know, I, I feel, you know, faith is really playing an important part here and really getting me through this. Lord, what, how, how do you want me to react today? And, and, and what can I do? And uh, show, me, show me what to do. You know, I encourage people that are in similar situations financially, particularly for, for those that are out there in the business community that are experiencing this, ask the Lord what, what, what you can do, and He'll answer you. And I, I consider this really just another, um, you know, just another test of my faith. Really, that, that, that's all it is, a continued path of testing my faith and getting stronger. Uh, James 1 verse 3 says those whose faith is tested will grow in perseverance and I think I, I look at that phrase uh, every day and uh, it just it really is very very uplifting in a way I want to say I'm almost joyful about it in, in, in a strange way knowing that he's with me he died on the cross for my sins and my burdens, and it is all on Him. It seems like it's just getting worse and worse in my professional life, but I feel so confident and relaxed in my, my faith life. My name is Gib Cooper, and I'm living in resurrection life. In John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus said these profound words, I am the resurrection and the life. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at what that means. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I brought a message 
And I said, the resurrection life is a lot like a party. We have to celebrate the small victories in our life, in your life and in my life. Last week, James opened up his message by teasing me about my shirt. And I just have one question. How does a guy who wears a sailor suit tease a guy who wears a custom-made Italian dress shirts? Just wondering. But James gave a powerful message, and the message was that Jesus loves you unconditionally. He doesn't just tolerate you, he loves you. And resurrection life is leaning into his love. This morning, we're going to look at another angle on resurrection life, and it comes out of our passage that Jazz read for us this morning, Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. And the passage describes a scene on the lake. And here's what we learn from that. Resurrection life is learning how to overcome failure by focusing on Jesus in the midst of a storm. And so we're going to look at that this morning. In the text, we learn early in the day, Jesus is busy and he's preaching, he's teaching, he's encouraging the multitudes. He's in the boat on the side of the lake and the multitudes are listening. By evening, he's exhausted. The disciples are exhausted and they set out and he says, let's go to the other side. Calmness, darkness, a lake in a boat with Jesus. And then the storm happens. And that's when everything changes. The wheels come off. Everything changes. And what I want you to see this morning in this passage is something about failure. It says the disciples became deathly afraid, frightened, panicked, waking Jesus up. Lord, don't you care? Don't you find it interesting that the Bible is filled with failures? It tells me a couple things. First of all, it tells me that God wrote the Bible and not man. If man had written the Bible, he'd whitewash over all of our failures. And yet God paints the picture over and over again. Like this passage, the disciples panicking, failing to hold on to their faith and keeping their focus on Jesus. It tells me also that God is interested in using the experiences of others to help us. It's like a sign, caution, beware. This could happen to you as well. See, failure is inevitable. Failure is universal. The dip, someone once said this, that the difference between those that succeed and those that fail are the people that don't give up. They hang in there. They keep going. James is right. He said, we have a window of opportunity there's an opportunity right now for change for us. It's a season. It's going to be over. But the question is, will we come out of this as different people? Will you learn anything that will change your life and change the course and direction of your life? Learn from the failure of the disciples who panicked in the storm. So what we're going to look at this morning. Three things how to prevent what I believe is a biblical axiom. Failures are not full-on blowouts. They're slow leaks. See, it often happens this way. It's true. 
It's we, we see the end product. We see the blowout. But what we don't see is the slow leak that happens often in the life of the believer that results in the blowout. If the disciples had learned these three things, it would have been different. So let's learn from them this morning. First of all, Jesus invites them to get in the boat with him. Come away, Jesus says. The second thing we learn in this passage is uh, that Jesus reminds them to focus on him, not the storm. And the third thing that we see is that we need to learn how to exchange our fear for faith. We're going to look at each one of those. Let me tell you, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my counselor, and I was trying to resolve a conflict in my life. And then he said these words. He says, Todd, it's kind of like this. There's the infinite and there's the finite. And then there's a bridge between the two. And that's how you live life. The infinite is God in your life. It's the power of God. It's, it's what God brings you. And yet the finite is the problem. And then there's a bridge between the two. That is precisely this passage. That Jesus bridges the infinite and the finite in our lives. And so let's look at all three of those components. First of all, the infinite. Jesus says, come away. He says, come away with me. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. It was more than going to the other side. It was about getting in the boat. John Ortberg wrote a great book called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. He's, ta he's talking about the Matthew 14 passage where Peter gets out of the boat. And many years ago, teaching on this passage down in Saddleback to a group of men, I said, when I write my book, my book is going to be, if you want to get to the other side, you got to get in the boat. Now, I've changed the title of my book. I haven't written it yet. And my new book is, if you want to weather the storm, you got to get in the boat with Jesus. See, that's what Jesus is saying. The infinite is inviting you into the boat. They were tired. They were exhausted. And as Jesus often did, he got away to rest. We find that all throughout the Gospels. And so we know this is far more than simply a boat ride. This is an invitation to rest with Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, after a busy day, Jesus finds a lonely place on a mountaintop to rest and pray all night. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, same thing. After a busy day of ministry, Jesus gets away to pray with his father. And a few chapters later in Mark chapter 6, verse 35, he tells his disciples, he says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. As one great teacher once said, come apart or you will come apart. That was the invitation to rest. It reminds me of a beautiful song, House on a Hill, by Amanda Lindsay Cook. You got to hear the lyrics of this song. It's it's just it's it sends chills down my my spine. It's quiet in this house on a hill. You won't mind it some things. You can't know till you're still in the silence where your spinning thoughts slow down. In the stillness, things have a way of working out. Allow me to introduce myself again. I've been waiting for you. In the silence, in the stillness, spinning thoughts slow down, she writes. That's the invitation to be 
with the infinite. Jesus says, get in the boat. Prevent the slow leak in your life and the blowout. Early followers of Christ, I'm talking 3rd century, 4th century, 5th century, Followers in the Eastern Orthodox Church flooded to the northern, the, the deserts of North Africa. They were called the Desert Fathers. St. Anthony led the way. He was one of the, the early monks that's, that found rest and seclusion. They built this idea based upon a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, if you're going to go pray, go pray in private. And so they did. They went away and, and they, they applied the, the understanding of the Greek word rest. One of the Greek words for rest is hesukia. And hesukia is equated with quietness or calmness or contemplation, prayer. And so they discovered that in the quietness of the desert, they could learn this contemplative prayer. Their objective was to be still and stop the slow erode of their souls, preventing the world from shaping them into its, its, its image. And there was a whole branch of literature based upon these desert fathers and their practices. Jesus is inviting us into the calmness of the dead of night in the still of the water in a boat with him. You know what our problem is? Here's our problem we have come to the conclusion that we don't need it. Why pray? Why get in the boat? As long as I have all the resources that I need, as long as I have the intelligence that I have, why do I need to pray? And here's what I have discovered. Until you know how much you need Jesus, you won't get in the boat. Because what I have learned about prayer is this. Prayer is the recognition that you need, that your need is not partial, but total. Did you get that? Prayer is the recognition that your need is not partial. It is total. But there's a second thing. And there's a second way to prevent the slow erosion. And that is we got to focus on Jesus. As we discover in this passage, they get into the boat. And now, much later in the evening, Jesus falls asleep. And it says that a fierce gale of wind, the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was filling up. As, as Howard Hendricks used to say, one of my favorite uh, uh, teachers when I was in college, used to say that the, the boat was in the water and the water was in the boat. That's how bad it was. But this fierce gale came up. It was a storm, and the disciples knew it. It was an angry wind. It was dangerous, actually. And yet what Jesus is saying, keep your eye on me, not the storm. In another account, we get some insight into how the disciples actually felt. In the Matthew 14 account, and, and, G, and this is a different account because Jesus has sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee to the other side alone. He's praying, and then in the dead of night, he begins walking across the sea to join them. They think it's a ghost. They become afraid. They recognize it's Jesus. And then Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. So Peter steps out, sees Jesus, 
key word, sees Jesus and begins walking on the water. But then he looks down and the text tells us he sees the waves and begins to sink. The word to see in Greek is blepo. I, I, I remember it by the idea of a blimp. You, when a blimp flies by, you can't miss it. It's so obvious. But the word blepo means so much more than simply just seeing with your eyes. It's the perception. It's feeling. It's seeing with your senses. In other words, Peter felt the full weight of the storm or the waves. He felt it. He internalized it. And it threw him off. I remember when I was in grade school, our family used to water ski a lot on the Colorado River. And this particular one uh, time, we rented a small outboard so that the kids could use it in the, in the bay and, and tow each other on rafts. And, and uh, I was towing my brother. I was alone in the little uh, outboard, and we were just a little bit off from the shore. And uh, my parents were watching, and, uh, and my brother Dave was, was hanging onto a raft with a life vest. All of a sudden, a storm hits, and it came out of nowhere. It just hit so fast and I focused on the waves. The motor died, my brother let go of the rope, he started crying, I freaked out, and the only thing I needed to do was jump in, swim to him. I didn't need to do that. He had a vest on and he had a raft, and yet I freaked out. I focused on the wrong thing. That's what happens. One writer says, all the water in the world cannot sink a ship unless the water gets inside. Another, and then he says this, all the troubles in the world can't sink a human being unless the troubles invade our inner life. The storm became the focus. Dale Bruner reminds us that human extremity is the frequency, the frequent meeting place of God. Expect the storm, but don't focus on it. In those times, you have to focus on the right thing. There's a book out many years ago on corporate athletes, athletes that perform at professional athletic levels. And the book says how a corporate athlete succeeds is by his rituals or her rituals. The things that keep them focused on their objective. What are the rituals in your life to keep you focused on Jesus? The third thing we see in this passage is when everything breaks apart. It all falls apart. The storm hits. The disciples panic. They wake up Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? We're perishing. He gets up. He rebukes the wind and says, hush, be still. And the wind dies down, it becomes perfectly calm. And he says to them, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? They become very much afraid and say to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea observe? We learn the, three, the third component, the bridge between the infinite, the invitation to be with Jesus, and the finite, the storm, is the bridge. And the bridge is exchange your fear for faith. That's what Jesus wanted the disciples to do. The bridge is between the infinite and the finite, and it's faith. But we got to get there. And how we get there 
is through understanding this one thing. Twice in the passage, it says the disciples feared. They feared the storm, but then it says after Jesus calmed the storm, they feared Jesus. I mean, think of this. Here's what faith is. Asking the question, what do you fear most? The storm or the unruly power of Jesus? See, the storm was powerful and they were afraid. But then notice what happens. Jesus stands up, they wake him up, he stands up and he says, hush, be still. In other words, quiet and stay quiet. Or in one interpretation, shut up and stay shut up. And in that moment, I think they reflected back on what the scriptures teach us about God in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, wind and sea, all of that, storms, there's no greater symbol of uncontrollability in all the scriptures than the power of the sea. But then in Psalm 29, you got to hear these words. In Psalm 29, it says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. What? God is equated to the power of nature? Here's what it teaches us in the Old Testament. Power, the power of nature comes from God. And all power is on loan from God because he controls all nature. In other words, when Jesus stood up and he said, be quiet, he had the power to command nature to do what it needed to do. And that scared the disciples more than the storm. It exchanged their fear for faith. Follow me on this. You know why they were afraid of Jesus? They were afraid of Jesus because Jesus is not about giving you a storm-free life, but about growing your faith. And that's scary. It's not getting you out of the storm, but getting you through the storm. You know what that tells me? It tells me that the solution is more terrifying than the problem. You can't control the uncontrollable forces of all nature. And finally, do you know what needs to change? Our perception of Jesus. See, they ask the question, who is this one that the wind and sea obey? In other words, they finally got it. They finally understood. They understood that Jesus is the uncontrollable power and force in their life. And they recognized that. But there was, a, there was an exchange because early on, they weren't ready for it. They wanted out of the storm as opposed to putting their confidence in the Christ of the storm. And that's the challenge for us. You want to live the resurrected life? You want to avoid the slow leak of failure? Get in the boat with Jesus. Experience the infinite. The second thing is you got to focus on Jesus, not the storm. And third, Learn how to exchange your fear for faith. Let me pray for you. So, Father, as we live in the context of what some can imagine as a storm, 
I pray, I pray for us, Father. I pray that we would have the confidence to turn toward you, focus on you, and find our faith in you. We can't control you, but you're on our side. You're in the boat with us. May we put our confidence in you this morning. In Jesus' name.
Wow, what a sermon. Thank you, Pastor Todd, for bringing that word of encouragement to us. Just as he said, storms will be inevitable, but the one thing that we know, Jesus is immutable. He will never change on us. If you have any prayer requests or anything like that, we would encourage you guys to um, please contact us because we'd want to be praying for you to help you through this tough time. In fact, we also have an opportunity to give um, with the LA Mission. If you have any supplies, any foods or anything like that, and you'd love to be a part of that, on May 7th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., we'll be dropping off things at Katrine Cooper's house. That information will be on our website, okay, riversouthbay.org. Until then, looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week, and remember, turn to Jesus. Hello, Hello, River River Church. Church. You know, we just saw this great quote, and it said, In this crisis, we are all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. And for the homeless in Los Angeles, that boat's taking on water. They have no place to shelter in place or wash their hands for 20 seconds. The Los Angeles mission is in the epicenter of the homeless crisis downtown in Skid Row. And their critical mission right now is they're feeding over 1,200 people every day, and they need your help. So please go to the church website, and let's show them how, as a River family, we are doing what Jesus commanded is helping the least of these. Thank you, guys. Thank you.